It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the Giants huddle podcast. The Giants are getting ready to take on the Washington football team in our final Giants huddle game preview. And of course, it's more than just that. We talk to players, coaches, and then of course, we go inside the matchup as well. Focus here will be more on uh, the player and coach interview, obviously. So let's get to it. You can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms on the Giants mobile app and, and of course, at Giants.com slash podcast. Today, we're going to talk to this week's Giants starting quarterback, Jake Fromm. Bob Papa will talk to Joe Judge. And Lance Meadow and Paul Dettino will talk to John Keim, who covers the Washington football team for ESPN. Let's start with our player interview. Giants quarterback Jake Fromm will get his second start this week. I had a chance to talk to him. Jake, John Schmelk here, man. How are you? Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. We were talking right after practice on Friday. You know, Coach Judge loves these practices in the elements. There was snow all over the place. I know they plowed the fields. What was it like practicing out there in the snow? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Uh, you know, you feel like a little kid again, um, you know, just out there and just having fun. You know, I mean, elements aren't always great, but, I mean, it's enjoyable and uh, it just kind of takes you back to your roots and makes you, you know, realize, you know, why you love the game of football so much. Now, you went to school in Georgia. You played college in Georgia. How much elements exposure do you have? <laughs> in, the, in the snow, not much. Uh, it's it's not, uh, probably not as windy there. But, um, man, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, after spending a year in Buffalo, um, the elements there, I, I think I, I've done a really good job of learning how to, um, you know, deal with it and you know, throw the ball. And, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to rip it and, you know, pray for the best. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So as you prepared this week, this is your second week where, where you're preparing, where you you know where you think you are going to be the starting quarterback. How has the week of preparation gone? Yeah, uh, it's been good. Uh, man, a lot of work, uh, a lot of late hours, but I'm um, just trying to study, wrap everything up, and um, you know, hey, I got I got my call sheet, I got my 160 plays, and um, I'm gonna know how to you know go and execute those, and know everybody else's job, and uh, we're gonna try to execute and move the ball and score a few points. What did you learn from your first week of preparation? Not the game necessarily, but getting ready for the game. That maybe uh, had you make certain adjustments this week in terms of how you're preparing to start. Yeah, um, just you know, little things here and there, uh, certain things in, in walkthroughs and uh, getting live reps. You know, figuring out what you need. Uh, what you need live and um, you know trying to take care of some of the guys you know it is week 18 you know it's been a long season for a lot of guys and um, and speaking up you know when you know something's not you know fully making sense to you so it's a, when to speak up when not to and uh, make sure everybody's doing their job. So Jay you'll be at about give or take a day or two the 40 day mark here with the Giants when when you start uh, the game on Sunday against Washington you, you mentioned the play sheet and the plays you have in your repertoire do you have the full playbook now? Like, are you fully in, or is there still stuff that, that you've been learning along the way? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I have access to the full playbook, you know, but for me it's just been, you know, learning on a week-to-week basis. And, um, you know, when, uh, you know, I'm sitting there on uh, Monday and Tuesday, you know, I'll kind of peek around. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, you know, for me it's just, a, you know, learning the game plan. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know exactly, you know, what everything was like, you know, weeks one through you know, 14 or whatever it was. Of course. Um, but, hey, you know, uh, I'm here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know what I have to do and, and go out and execute. What was the biggest challenge in getting in here? And I'll call it cramming. Maybe you don't want to call it that. But trying to learn everything as quickly as possible. So when you did get your opportunity, the the day after Christmas against Philadelphia, you were ready. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, you know, all those tests in college that you cram for and you, you stayed up till 2 o'clock in the 
um, in the middle of the night, you know, studying, you know, that's kind of paid off a little bit. So, um, you know, I never thought I'd say that, but uh, it, it definitely helped me and um, just try to learn. And um, I think the biggest thing is learning how, how to learn and, you know, knowing how you learn, you know, specifically. So once you kind of figure that out, you can, you know, get yourself going and, and learn a lot faster. How much different was the terminology based on in what you did in Buffalo and what you did at Georgia compared to what you're doing here? Yeah, uh, a little bit different, you know, but everything, it's a lot of similar concepts. You know, you just have to learn a different language for it, you know, and um, that kind of is what it is. You know, as soon as you start talking a language, it gets a lot easier, and um, you just kind of roll with it from there. Did you ever catch yourself calling a concept by something you used to call it at instead of what they were calling it here? Yeah, I mean, that, that's just going to happen. Um, of course. But as soon as, as soon as, you know, I think the biggest thing is just talking in terms um, as soon as you start learning to talk in terms, everything just kind of takes care of itself. No, absolutely. You know, you talk about the concepts being similar. You know, I, I just wonder from your perspective, as someone now that obviously was at a pro-style program in Georgia, was in Buffalo where they have a very successful offense, now you're here. How different are really the concepts from team to team or are really guys kind of basically running the same type of stuff that's just called something different? Yeah, uh, you know, at the end of the day, football's football. Um, I think it really comes down to a lot more of the, the fundamentals of, you know, running, catching, throwing, take care of the football, um, executing in situational football. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, your big playmakers are going to make plays and um, you just got to move down the field. No question about it. And in that 40 days, you also not only have to learn the playbook, you do have to build some chemistry with those playmakers. So what has that process been like? Because obviously you're not getting all the snaps with the guys that you're going to be with on the field over the course of that 40 days. So what has it been like trying to gain some chemistry with the guys that you're going to have to throw the ball to on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been good. It's been fun. Uh, you know, you, you definitely, you know, make certain reps, you know, count a lot more because it may be the only one you get, you know, that week. Um, but I, I think it's been it's been awesome. All the guys have been great. They've embraced me with open arms, and I, I can't thank them um, enough. You know, we talked about what you learned during the week. How about that half of football you played um, against Philadelphia on December 26? What are some of the specific things when you look back at the tape afterwards that you went and you said, all right, now that I've experienced that, I've seen that, you know, now maybe I know I need to approach a couple things a little bit differently. Yeah, uh, just the importance of, you know, coming out of the game and, and starting fast. You know, I think it's, it's so important to come out and get in a rhythm um, and find the flow of the game. And, you know, it was kind of tough. Just never really kind of felt like, it, you know, we got in rhythm on offense. And um, I'm going to do my best to make sure we do uh, this week. Do you I, – I, I, this is probably a tough question to answer, but do you feel a tangible difference? I know you played that, you know, drive in the fourth quarter the week prior, and then you got to start the game. But do you feel a tangible difference, a larger comfort level, a, a larger amount of confidence because you've gotten those snaps heading into this week as compared to what you were feeling heading into that week against Philadelphia? I mean, I, I, I feel confident, you know, and, and, you know, every time I walk out on the field. So, I, you know, if you're not, you know, if you're not confident when you walk in the huddle, everybody else is going to feel it and uh, <laughs> it's not going to go good. So, um, you know, I, I feel confident what I can do, what the guys around me can do. And, um, and I'm excited to go play and it's going to be a fun opportunity and um, it's going to be a great day in New York. What are some of the specific things that Mike and Daniel have helped you with trying to get you ready to play in these games at the end of the year? Yeah, just learning, you know, certain intricacies of uh, the offense and timing and, um, you know, different code words and different checks, you know, you can make here and there. And um, uh, I, I can't thank those guys enough for, you know, kind of helping me, you know, throughout this process. And um, it hadn't been easy on everybody, but, you know, on anybody. And uh, I can't thank them enough. All right, let's talk about the, the opponent coming up here in Washington. What are the things that you see on tape that makes that Washington defense dangerous? Yeah, um, you know, really good up front. Um, you know, it's, um, it's kind of, you know, the way they kind of build their defense. And, um, you know, they're, they're really good up front. So, um, you know, we got to, you know, play good up front and, um, you know, do a good job running the football. 
you know, they're a team that has has given up a, a lot of yards passing this year. I think they they primarily run a lot of zone instead of man. When you're a team that when you're a quarterback that you're going up and you're going to see a lot of zone looks, what are some of the important things that you have to execute well to have success against some of the looks that Washington is going to throw at you? Um, you know, you got to have good timing um, and make sure guys are in certain spots at certain times. And um, I think ball play, ball placement is really huge and um, getting them uh, a certain ball where they can uh, catch it, knife upfield, and, and get some extra yards. So. Um, get them good balls and uh, let them take care of the rest. Final question, Jake, just about you personally. As you've gotten into the league now and you've been working on this for a couple of years trying to become a better quarterback, what are the things that you've been working on privately, you know, in the offseason on your own where you're really trying to improve as a quarterback so you could be in the league for another, you know, 10 years? Yeah, I think knowledge of the game is huge. Um, you know, when you reach out to others and um, just trying to learn and, and pick up anything, you know, when you train with certain, you know, certain guys and, and certain other things. And uh, for me, my feet, uh, I'm always trying to, you know, strain my arm and push my arm, uh, you know, to make it stronger. Jake, great stuff. We really appreciate it. Best of luck on Sunday in your second ever NFL start. We look forward to seeing you out there on the field. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's Jake Fromm. We thank him for joining us. Hey, Giant fans, secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only 100 bucks. Limited seats are available. Speak with a Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. All right, our next guest is John Keim. He covers the Washington football team for ESPN. Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino spoke to him. The Giants and the Washington football team meet for the second time this season Sunday as they both wrap up their 2021 campaigns at MetLife Stadium. Washington won the first matchup in Week 2, 30-29. And to get more into Washington, we're now joined by ESPN NFL Nation reporter who covers the team, John Keim. John, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything's okay. Thank you for asking. Well, it's a pleasure having you on the program, John. And I want to start big-picture perspective in terms of the outlook for Washington entering this game because very similar to the Giants, that team's been hammered by injuries. I'm sure they have a lot of young guys they want to continue to develop. How is Ron Rivera going to approach this game, specifically in terms of playing time and how you think he'll divvy up the reps? That's a good question. You know, it's funny because... People keep asking, well, are you going to play more young guys? Like, he's been playing them. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like the Giants, when you're – they had, against the Eagles last week, there were 12 starters who were missing from that game. 12 guys who would who were expected to be day one starters this year were not playing. So when you're in that situation, you're already playing a lot of guys. And, like, they're playing guys that may not have even made it to their training camp last year. You know what I mean? So, like, there's not a lot of wiggle room to play a lot of young guys. But he even said the other day that if there are some areas where they play somebody different, somebody younger, the goal is still to win the game. And, you know, that was brought up because, like, well, is it about draft position? You know, he is a GM, too. So is it about draft position or winning? Like, well, even if we play a young guy at a spot, we want to win with that guy. But where you might see a change is at quarterback. Now, Taylor Heineke will start, but there's a chance that Kyle Allen will get some time, too. And I think some of that may depend on how the game is going. If they truly want to win and you're up by two touchdowns at halftime and you change, you know, you could make a case. On the other hand, I don't know that there's a lot different between those two quarterbacks. You know, they're both at a certain level. Um, so, you know, you'll, you'll see Jarrett Patterson at running back, but that's because Antonio Gibson is banged up. You know, they could be, or he's been limited this week, so it could be that they don't want to play Antonio and give Jarrett Patterson more reps. But, 
you know, so there's not a lot of wiggle room as far as going to extra guys that you really haven't seen a lot of this year. You know, John, I've got to go back to Heineke for a second because we all remember that Week 2 game. Washington uh, comes up with a 30-29 to win. We know about the offside penalty called against the Giants on the last second field goal. Washington gets the re-kick, and they win. But for me, it was Taylor Heineke doing his best Sonny Jurgensen impression that kind of you know resonates. The fact that he threw for over 330 yards, was deadly accurate, had a couple of touchdown passes, and since then seems like he's been very pedestrian. From watching this guy, what was it that was working that night for him that he hasn't been able to replicate? You know, it's funny because that's what Washington fans ask about Daniel Jones. Because <laughs> every time he played Washington, he'd star, and then you go and it's like it's not the same thing you just saw. I think in Heineke's case, and they're obviously very different quarterbacks, but in Heineke's case, he's limited as far as like, he's a smaller guy, um, and if you keep him in the pocket, it's going to be harder for him to hurt you. He doesn't have a big arm, so if you can cause him, and, and, he, and he'll sometimes hesitate before he's throwing, which doesn't help when you don't have a big arm. You've got to get the ball out in rhythm on time. And his decision-making has been up and down. And I think for a while they weren't sure is that because it's just who he is or is it because of his inexperience? Because despite his age, he hadn't started a lot until this year. And so they, there was a season-long growing process there. And then I think the other thing is, too, you look at the talent around him, it's not a lot. You know, they, they lost Logan Thomas um, early in December. They lost running back J.D. You know, tight end. They lost J.D. McKissick, their third down back in a – very good third down back. They lost him five or six weeks ago. You know, Terry McCorn is their standout receiver, but he doesn't have much help, consistent help around him. Curtis Samuel was never a factor. Antonio Gibson banged up and missed last week. So there's been some of that that hasn't helped Heineke because he's not, it's not like he's running with, um, you know, uh, this great supporting cast around him. But from his own play, his decision making just hasn't been as good. And You'll see him sometimes, but like, he grew up watching Brett Favre, and you can kind of tell based on the way he plays. The problem is he's not Brett Favre. He, you know, <laughs> he doesn't doesn't have the arm, doesn't have that. If you're going to try and force the ball at times, you're going to throw picks. You better throw a lot of inter- excuse me, a lot of touchdowns too, and and he hasn't done that. So you know, it's it's decision making and it's you know some arm strength. When it when it goes bad, it goes bad. And I would liken him to almost like a finesse right-handed pitcher in baseball when he goes well it's like wow that was a really good game but when he when it when that you know when your changeup is a little bit off your curveball is a little bit off you're going to get hammered john it's interesting to hear your breakdown of the quarterback situation and i don't want to put words in your mouth but you know just how it's hard to get a good read on heineke perhaps because the personnel hasn't remained stable it's very similar to conversations we've had about daniel jones and the giants this season they brought in Kadarius Tony. They brought in Kenny Gowdy. These guys haven't stayed on the field. You mentioned Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas. So I guess what I'm getting at is how much is this game or the last few games truly an evaluation of what they have currently on the roster to determine what they're going to do moving forward this offseason, considering you know this is a team that's still looking for stability under center? Yeah, I will say this. They know what they have in Heineke. So when I, when I talk about the stuff around him, it's not so much about a full evaluation. It's about being more productive. 
but they know who he is as a quarterback. So they're going to look hard for one this offseason. That is a top priority. Now, whether or not they're successful, I think what he does is he gives you some flexibility that if you don't find, you know, you don't have to settle for just anybody. It's got to be a really good option. But they're going to look for that because they kind of, they've, they've always viewed him, even when there was a stretch where they won four in a row where he started to play pretty well. I mean, he had a couple of good games. But even then, they knew that they would consider him a high-end backup, low-end starter. So we'll start there. So that will be a, you know, that's the, that's the priority in the offseason. As far as other stuff around there, you know, they, again, Curtis Samuel being hurt almost all year did not help them at all. So, you know, they drafted De'Ami Brown, a receiver in the third round, hasn't made much of an impact. And so they, those were supposed to be two guys who are going to be key factors for them in the, offensively this season. So they're either going to have to find someone else to help Terry McLaurin, and I would still look for another guy, or you better hope that they stay healthy and, and that De'Ami Brown develops. I think getting, you know, um, I think some, one of the guys you might see who, who they could take a look at a little bit Sunday is tight end Samus Reyes, the first Chilean-born player in the NFL. Has ne- he, he never played organized football until this year. Wow. So, but he's playing special teams. They're, they're down – a couple tight ends with Thomas and the Ricky Seals Jones in the concussion protocol. So they're going to need Samus Reyes. So I think, you know, what he may get his first NFL reception on Sunday. It would be a big deal for him. But he's a guy that could he develop next year into a contributor? He's not going to be a standout, but could he be a contributor next year? Um, more of a contributor. So, you know, I think as far as the other parts of the evaluation, I think the other part is, too, when you're in this situation, a big part of it is, who, who stays focused and who doesn't? Because really you're trying to determine as much as you want to see how a guy plays, you still want to see, okay, you're out of it, there's no playoffs. How do you prepare? How do you go out? What's your approach this week when there's nothing on the line? I think that's a big part of the evaluation as well. Well, one of the other ways that you decide what it is that you have, John, is you look at the opponent and you hope that they're going to at least give you some kind of test a litmus test, if you will, so that you can evaluate some of these guys. Like from the Giants' right. perspective, their offensive line's been a mess, okay? They've had a lot of right. trouble getting the running game going. But Saquon Barkley ran for 102 yards last weekend, and he started looking like the old Saquon again. So if the Giants are to get the running game going against Washington's front, and I know it's not the same as it was supposed to be, obviously. I mean, they've got sweat. I, I'm, I'm guessing he's not going to be available, and I know Young's right. been out for a while. What kind of, of fight can the Washington front seven put up against the Giant running game if the Giants want to evaluate Barkley? That's a good question. And I think they're not, you're, you're not going to face the line that you'll face if they, let's say they play week one next year. It's not the same line. Now, you'll have the same tackles because John Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, um, those are their top tackles. They'll be there. But at defensive end, Montez Sweat hasn't you know, missed last week because of the death of his brother and hasn't been at practice this week. Clearly, it doesn't appear that he's going to play. So you won't see him. And so now you're down to the, next, the second set of ends, Casey Tuhill, who will play. He's one of their top backup ends. But then their other top backup end, James Smith-Williams, has, he had COVID. But because he has asthma, he's been dealing with some health issues since COVID. He hasn't been, you know, I, I don't know that he hasn't been practicing. So now you're down to another set of ends who have been disappointed. So, and I say that because 
you know, are they going to get a true evaluation? Well, I think it depends, you know, who's doing what. Is it because you're getting on the edge and because the ends are being taken care of? Well, that may be not a full, you know, full sense of where they're really at. But if you're running downhill and you're moving Allen out of the way and you're doing this, then you can get a better sense. And I think a linebacker will be a big key, too, because last week David Mayo um, was inserted as the Mike linebacker and they put Cole Holcomb to the outside. They did a better job in the run game with that group, with those two in there, with Mayo calling the signals and Holcomb being allowed to play more naturally outside, Mayo more instinctive as a Mike linebacker, even though he projects still as a backup. So, you know, the Eagles face the same situation, and Washington did a pretty good job against the run last week. So you can get a good evaluation, but I think it just depends. Like, you're not facing the A-level line that you will mm-hmm. face next year or that they face early in the year. But I still think, listen, I still think if you go out and they, if they have a really big game on the ground, I still think it says something. We're talking with John Kime, ESPN NFL Nation reporter who covers the Washington football team. John, in terms of the evaluation of the defense, now that we have really an entire season to look back on, I think it's fair to say that entering this year, if we looked at the NFC East as a whole, if there was one facet I thought was probably in good shape to duplicate its success from 2020, would probably be the Washington defense. And then you look at their numbers this season, whether it be third down defense 31st, their 30th against the pass, Points per game allowed, they're 28th. I know you ran through. They've been without some guys. They lost, of course, Chase Young. But why was it such a challenge, John, for this defense run by Jack Del Rio that seemed to turn the corner last season to at least remain consistent for the most part of this year? Okay, well, bear with me for a minute because I'm going to get a little bit involved here because I think there's a lot to unwrap here, and I'll go level by level. So, first of all, they face better quarterbacks this year. Overall, I mean, they knew that they pro- the stats weren't going to be the same, partly for that reason. Like, they, you know, the, it's, it's Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, um, you know, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott twice. Um, just, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving out a handful of guys because I just, off the top, like, you know, Herbert, Allen, they faced a lot of really good Russell Wilson. John, we know the same the, story up here, trust me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, exactly. So you know all that. So that is... So going into the season, I thought, if they're around the top 10, that's pretty good for this schedule. Well, they haven't hit that. So early in the year, the, the, the pass rush and the coverage weren't syncing up. And there were, I think they, they felt like with that four, that front four, Young, Allen, Payne, Sweat, that they'd be able to put pressure with the front four. So they weren't as aggressive like on a third down with their blitz looks or their coverage schemes. And the result was horrendous third down defense horrendous it was like they kept waiting for this is going to be the game the front four takes over and it really wasn't happening so what actually that when they actually started playing better is when chase young tears his acl and montez sweat goes out with the broken jaw and it's not because they're out but it's because they had to change their strategy so they started blitzing more on third downs and for about a six or seven game stretch they actually played really well to probably to about where the level you thought they would. And then the injury started to take over, and the attrition took over, and, and that was it. So like the last month, you can look at it and say, they just, you know, you know, there were some issues. Atlantic Collins was really good for them. He got hurt, but it was really good for them playing the safety linebacker hybrid role. A dynam- he was more dynamic down there. 
So that was a difference. So they went to more zone coverage in that stretch versus man. They opened the season, wanted to play a lot of man, and it didn't work. So there were a lot of, I think there were some things that they had to learn about them, and, and then they changed things up. And then in the end, I just felt like they just didn't have enough because of attrition, um, you know, and all that. But, you know, but you're right. Like they did not, they underachieved by a decent amount. Well, you know, John, the other thing that's been very common in this division is that for a while now, these offensive lines have started to struggle. I mean, even Dallas, they've had their moments ups and downs uh, for the last decade, for the most part, been really good, but they've also had some of their troubles, too. Uh, Washington's offensive line has had some struggles. The Giants' old line's a mess. Philadelphia seems to be the only one in this division that's got yeah. it right. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it's funny. I was just talking about somebody that about them today, and just like one of the differences in their line compared to the others is there seems to be more athleticism. And, and it really fits that run game well. And so, so, yeah, I think that like their run game is really good. And some of that is Jalen Hurts and the zone read and the threat of him running and creating arm tackle situations, which I saw way back in 2012 when Robert Griffin III was doing it here. You see how defenses react and the hesitation it causes and you were seeing that. And, and I think their line does a really nice job as well along with that. So, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Washington's line, they're on their fourth starting center. That's, you know, they've had guys in and out because of, like, like a lot of teams, in and out because of COVID or some health issues. Um, and they've actually given all that. I think they've actually done all right. Um, but there is a, an inconsistency that do- develops. And, like, in their run game, to me, they almost always have to fool you a little bit with, with motion, tight end action, um, versus just being able to run it. You know, if you need th- it's third and one, you just run it right up the gut, it's been a hit or miss for them because I don't think they have that kind of a line, you know, they, you know especially in the interior at times. Um, but I think, the, you know, I think going forward they could, but, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that's a big reason why the Eagles are in the spot there and is because their line has been really good. John, last one for me in terms of strategy entering this game. I know we talked about playing time and how Washington is going to be a team showcasing a lot of young players by default because of all their injuries. But what do you think their ideal game plan is going into this contest against the Giants? Is it running the ball, as you had mentioned, because Gibson's been banged up? I know they were showcasing Jared Patterson. Do you think they'll go run heavy? Do you think they'll try to air things out? How do you think they're going to try to attack the Giants, knowing that they had success moving the ball, but that seemed like ancient centuries ago in Week 2? It does. And you know how they'll do it, you know... Like a couple of weeks ago against Dallas, I felt like they were going to run the ball, come out running the ball, et cetera, and they came out throwing five of the first six plays. So I don't always have – I don't always know what they're <laughs> going to do because it kind of crosses you up. Like for a long time, I'm like, this team has to run the ball more. They're not built to win another way. And But the, what I could see is if they you know, certainly feel like they can do it because the pass rush may not be there – and get Terry McLaurin the ball, I can definitely see that as well. Um, but I, w- I would, you know, and I think if Kyle Allen comes in, you'll definitely see him throw the ball at least a little bit because, well, you're not going to bring him in just to hand it off a lot, right? Um, sure. But, you know, I think the talent, I still think their ability to run will be, has to be what leads them, even, even in a season-ending game where nothing's on the line. 
He is John Keim, ESPN NFL Nation reporter, covering the Washington football team as the Giants in Washington will wrap up their season on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. John, can't thank you enough. Greatly appreciate the time and the insight. And I think you and I and everybody else covering both of these teams can speak in terms of it's kind of exciting that we're finally going to wrap up these campaigns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On, on to the offseason. And six or five, six months of speculation. But, yeah, I mean, it's been brutal the last month, so... You know, it's time for it to end. Well said. We appreciate the time. Thanks again, John. Thanks, John. Thank you. That's John Kime, covers Washington for ESPN. Now, finally, Bob Papa, for the last time this regular season, will talk to head coach Joe Judge. As always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, Joe Judge. Coach, regular season finale against Washington. Let's talk a little bit about your ball club and the way they've responded to the challenges this week, trying to end the season on a positive note. Yeah, you know what? They came into work on Wednesday, and uh, like every other week of the year, they came in with you know the right look in their eyes. We've had good work on the field, and we've gotten ready for this game, and I'm looking forward to seeing one more opportunity this team on the field to go out there and compete. They've done that throughout the year. want to make sure we have good execution today. We're playing a very good team as far as defense and ability offensively to make some big chunk plays on us. So it's going to take some execution on the field. You know, look at the guys go out there and make sure they play with the right effort, right demeanor, and get some execution going for us. Coach, um, obviously – you know, you played them, but it was so long ago. I mean, how much have they changed, if at all, from when you played them way back in September? Well, you know, it seems like almost a full season ago when we played them back in the second game of the year. And you really talk about them. I think Heineke's really improved as a player, and he's done a lot of things as far as, you know, really maturing as a quarterback. They've had some injuries, key injuries to their offensive weapons. That's changed a little bit how they've attacked it. But I think the root of what they're doing systematically is really still the same. Defensively, you know, Jack's system's been consistent throughout, you know, years. He's going to play the quarters, and, man, they're going to get after the four. You know, we may see some five defense alignment sets like we saw they saw last week in the Philly game because of the run-heavy emphasis. You know, offensively, you know, the focus of Logan in the red area, that obviously has gone away, Logan Thomas says, with the injury, and then McKissick not being available on the 20 personnel sets, the two back sets where they use him almost as a hybrid receiver running back in different sets. That's changed a little bit of what they've done, but it's really a heavy emphasis on the stretch run game, the boots, the screens on the perimeter, and shots down the field. McLaurin's really emerged as a shot guy for these guys down the field. You know, so much of his production in previous years and before that first game we played against this year came from really catch-and-run underneath-type routes. Not that he didn't have the speed, but he's really emerged as a shot guy going down the field, you know, throughout the season. Coach, um, you know, he's a pretty complete receiver, isn't he? Um, You know, obviously there's a lot of other name-brand guys, but he seems to do just about everything that needs to be done well. Yeah, I think he's a very good player. I think he's a very good player. I think his production speaks for itself. You know, and you talk about this guy. I can remember when he came out, you know, from college, and the evaluations really, most scouts evaluate him as almost being just exclusively a special teams type player who may have some kind of developmental role in offense. And I'd say this, there's a lot of people that are very wrong on that from the beginning. And uh, this guy's really emerged as a very good weapon on offense. He has some good versatility in terms of how you can use him. And, again, those perimeter screens are really just an extension of the run game. So you're using this guy – to get the ball in his hands as fast as possible. And then he's got very good speed down the field, has good hands, can track the ball, and he's really improving on his route running as a complete tree. So, you know, this guy's really maturing as a player in this league. He's going to be a good player for some years to come. Coach, going back to last week and and bringing it forward to this week, um, there were certain points in the game where, you know, the Bears had a pretty good idea you were going to run the ball, but you guys were still able to move that line of scrimmage and get productive runs. Is that something that you're looking to build upon this week? as far as that run game is concerned? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a way of how we're going to have to play. And, you know, situationally, you know, look to go ahead and throw opportune, 
you know, favorable throws for us, but we got to be able to run the ball today. And they're going to know we have to run the ball. We got to be able to line up there, move the line of scrimmage, create some seams, let the back sit it downhill hard. Coach, can you talk a little bit about the growth of what you've seen so far from Andrew Thomas as he gets through year number two and continues to build a resume? Yeah, he's really grown a lot this year. And, you know, you look at him in his rookie year, and obviously, you know, we've talked about last year, you know, didn't have a preseason, took him a little while to get going, really get a feel for the league, and he turned it on towards the end of the year, really improved. But you can see in year two, not so much just being used to the speed of the league, but his understanding of what happens across him and the systems and how different teams use the personnel. And you can see him really thinking, you know, at a faster rate, and that allows him to play more aggressive. You know, he's a good run blocker. He's a very good pass blocker. You know, you see this guy as an athletic big man, but he's really a guy that's – he's a quiet guy that really talks with his pads. And, uh, you know, he's really emerged for us as kind of a quiet leader, a guy that leads by example, but his teammates really rally around him. Coach, on the other side of the ball, um, he, he missed a lot of last year due to injury, but just talk about the growth that you've seen in Xavier McKinney as far as just his football IQ, the range. He always seems to take proper angles to the ball, and it just seems like – his thought process and then his physical gifts are all starting to kind of come together. He's a guy who's really finding his voice, you know, within the team. And he's a guy that works very hard at practice. You know, the team means a whole lot to him. Competing means a lot to him. And having success means a lot to him. And that comes out in how he prepares. And uh, he's a guy that wears his heart on the sleeve through practice. He's a guy that's been able in some key team meetings we've had this year. And he said, he spoke up and, and, you know, made it known that, you know, what's important to him and, you know, how we have to go about doing things, and he's really found his voice. But you talk about him on the field of how he works, but just the instincts on the back end, you're right. He takes great angles of the ball. He's got great ball skills. You know, he's got the ability to go ahead and create turnovers. Uh, he's very smart and intelligent, and he can di- he really diagnose you know, what's going on from the other team, what they're looking to set up schematically based on how they're positioning their players and then also the down and distance. And that's put him in position this year to really go ahead and have a lot of opportunities for turnovers, pass breakups, things of that nature. He's made a lot of big plays for us. And uh, he's a guy that's growing. He's improving. Last year he missed a lot of time with injury. We've had some rookies this year that have missed a lot of time with injury as well. You know, hopefully they can make the same kind of jump Zay's made in year two. Uh, But this guy, you know, you look at just his physical traits, but then also the demeanor he approaches the game with and the leadership he's developing. And he should be a key part of this team for years to come. Coach, final question. We got some snow Thursday night into Friday, so uh, you had them clear the the grass and uh, you got to practice out there a little bit. Uh, What was that like? It was fun. It was fun. You know, guys go out there with great energy and practice. You know, we talk to them and say, hey, guys, the last practice of the year. That's what it is. We only have a couple opportunities left to be a team out there. And they went out there. We had a good Friday practice, a lot of competition. You know, kind of ended. You saw the guys have a lot of fun coming off the field with, you know, snowball fights and wrestling and snow, all type of stuff. But it was good. You know, it was obviously very windy and very, very cold. But, you know, you wouldn't have taught, been able to tell with the way they were flying around out there and having fun. Coach, we appreciate a couple minutes. Good luck in the ball game. Thanks for doing this each and every week to give the fans a little insight as to the ball club, and we appreciate the time as always. Hey, man, appreciate you. Thanks, guys. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. We thank him for joining us all season long and this week on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Thank you to John Keim and Jake Fromm as well. I am John Schmelk. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.